0: Greetings this morning, in Jesus' name, it's good to be here this morning in the house of God, listening to uh, prayers being answered, that was very encouraging, and it does to, it does something to one's heart to actually hear of somebody that prayed and God answered their prayer. You know, like some shared, it seems sometimes these minuscule little things, God probably doesn't care about this, but he does, he cares about The sparrow and he knows how many hairs are on our heads and he he cares about us i think we could have went all uh, the rest of the service too and uh, probably not got done would have been encouraging which would have been fine with me but uh, i trust that the few words that i have to say can be encouraging too for some reason, this time around, it just seemed like things did not come together when I was studying. I don't know if you've ever had that. Those who have preached. You think and think and think and think. It just doesn't quite, I don't know, it's just hard work. So uh, Friday night, my uh, Alicia kind of got sick. She threw up a couple times. So then Saturday, I was thinking, maybe I could call in sick. I did have a little bit of a knot in my stomach, but I don't think it was from that but uh it uh i trust that with the few words that i have we can uh, we can be encouraged <clears throat> because we have a whole bible full of god's word that is alive it's not dead it's alive it's new to us and uh, there are still things in this word that can speak to us <clears throat> so uh friday i was uh working out in the field i was running a tractor, and uh, the customer that I was working for came and was riding with me for a while, and so he had all kinds of different questions, and one question he asked, are you Mennonite? I said, no, I'm not Mennonite, I'm a Christian, born again Christian, got to talk about that a little bit, a little bit of the difference, I said, you would probably look at me as Mennonite, but I said, uh, we, uh, I believe that we need to follow the Bible as it's written, most important, Jesus came to this world to die for our sins the gift of salvation so we had some small talk there and i asked him what what for church he goes to well he said he was brought up catholic but he married an apostolic girl and now they go to some evangelical christian church so all right so how uh, how is it is it about the same is it different yeah he said you know it, it's pretty much the same there's not a lot of difference in the uh christian church that he goes to now in the uh the uh, Catholic church that he grew up in. He said he'd like to go back to the Catholic church, but his wife don't want to or whatever. I forget the exact reason he said. So then after he left, I started thinking about this, my mind kind of rolling around. No difference between the Christian church it goes now and the Catholic church. Years and years and years ago, the Catholics were the ones that were persecuting the Christian church. They were killing them because of what they believed. And uh, I just started thinking of the progression, the time, the, you know, what's going to keep me from losing the anointing of Jesus Christ. I believe when we become born again, God anoints us with his Holy Spirit. He anoints us with power from above. He anoints us with, with wisdom. The Bible says that we should ask of God for wisdom and he abradeth not. What happens? How can we come to the place in losing that? So in that time, I was listening to a few messages uh, that you know online as, uh, as I was driving, and uh, that usually kind of helps one you know mind to think about what we sh- what I should uh, talk about. and this one song we sang this morning, um, three eleven, I believe it is. And express this a little bit the way my thoughts went. A few of the verses here. Come, gracious Spirit, heavenly dove, with light and comfort from above. Be thou our guardian, thou our guide, or every thought and step preside. The light of truth to us display, and make us know and choose thy way. Plant holy fear in every heart, that we from God may never never depart I believe one of the answers to never departing from god is a holy fear that has been lost in our society today it is looked at as childish it is looked at as as uh, not being able i'm not exactly sure the word doesn't come to mind but it is looked at as as Scum, you know, if you don't rise up and be a man or know who you are or, or show yourself. Lead us to, to holiness, the road which we must take to dwell with God. Lead us to Christ, the living way, nor let us from his pastures stray. Lead us to God, our final rest, to be with him forever blessed. Lead us to heaven, its bliss to share. Fullness of joy forever there. So the only place we can find fullness of joy is in heaven, and I believe we can find fullness of joy <clears throat> here in our Christian life, but that is only through a direct connection to heaven um, through prayer and through our relationship with God. We can, f- we can have the joy that passes all, the peace that passes all understanding and joy unspeakable. And full of glory, I believe we can have here. But that comes with planting a holy fear in every heart. And that doesn't just happen by accident. I believe it is a state that we have to, especially men probably, have to <clears throat> fight to be in. You know, God calls men to leadership and to, uh, to uh, lead. And, and I believe God gives men, and you know, Christians wisdom. But to keep that in the right perspective, so many times when God pours out his holiness, his anointing on a Christian uh, and, and all of a sudden life is new, the scriptures become alive. You can see many examples in the Bible when God poured out his anointing, even in the Old Testament, that on men that did not end well. What happened? I believe they lost the fear of God, the humiliation that God, you know, take for instance, Solomon. He was a man that asked that God met him and said, you can ask whatever you want. And he asked for wisdom. And God gave him that wisdom to the point where the kings of the earth, it says. I don't think there's a man in this day or ever has been where all the kings of the earth were seeking for his wisdom, were coming in, in droves to him for wisdom. But they did to Solomon. And at the end of his life, he was led away by his many wives, worshiping idols. Think of Samson. God, he was a, he was a terror to the Philistines. God uh, anointed him with power, divine power, and uh, for, a call, for a purpose. And at the end of his life, he lost his eyesight. It seemed like there was a rekindling there a little bit, uh, and, but he lost his life with his enemies. Um there's There's a few others that I was thinking of, oh Saul, God's anointed one, a leader of the children, a leader of the israel a leader of uh that God a king that god God anointed God's anointing was on, even on him to the point where David would not touch him because he was anointed by God, but at the end of his life he was seeking wisdom from a witch, and his own words were, I have played the fool." And um, erred exceedingly, I think is what his words were. So it behooves us, in, uh, in my, for myself, is how can I not lose the anointing of Jesus Christ? Because I believe each Christian has the anointing of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> One of, and the, I think this song says it very well. Plant holy fear in every heart that we from God may never depart. I'd like to turn to Romans 13 to draw a few points from uh, this chapter in regards to what some of the steps may be to have the anointing of Christ, God, in our lives, yet not lose our way, hopefully. <clears throat> I think I'll read the whole chapter. I want to draw most of my points from 11, 12, and 13, the last four, last four verses. But Romans thirteen, beginning verse one, says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that are that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, for he is the minister of God to them, to thee, for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God. A revenger to exalt, execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause, pay we tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing, render, therefore, to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom cust- to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honour. <clears> owe <throat> no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another f- hath fulfilled the law for this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make him... Oh, excuse me. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. <clears throat> so most of my po- I've got 4.5 point, points here, I believe. <clears throat> most of my points I want to take out of verse 11, 12, 13, and 14. Number 1, it is time to wise up. Sometimes we say to our children or Sometimes we use the term wise up. Learn what is at hand. Knowing the time. Says, in the, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. Time is a little bit hard to define exactly what it is. It is something that everybody has. It is something that not anybody can take away from you unless you you die. It is something that ...is defined in lots of different ways. It can be next week. It can be in the next 10 minutes. It can be next month. It can be in a decade. It can be sometime this year. There's lots of different ways to define the time. But here, I believe, he's talking about a specific time. A little bit like a deer hunter sees this time. He gets up early in the morning... For dawn a lot of deer hunters do and he goes out into his deer stand and there he sits and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's spending time for a specific segment of time so about daybreak about the sun time it comes up there's this nice big buck that box or deer whatever walks right out in front of him Now there's a little slot of time that he has to make his decision that will be gone forever if he doesn't take it. That deer walks out in front of him. A lot of times they kind of have a section, especially bow hunters. They kind of have a, like, right here is my section where he can can shoot, not too far out, not too far in, through the trees. And as that deer steps into place, the time is there. If he misses it, it's gone forever. Or it's like an auction. Now, I won't describe it here because I don't all want you to leave yet, but it's a little bit as it's getting closer and closer and closer. He's calling, one going once, going twice. And you know if you want that thing, you've got a certain amount of time before he says sold and your opportunity has closed. It's kind of like a fisherman too. He can be sitting out there with that bobber sitting in the water for a long time and all of a sudden that bobber Starts going up and down, and he has a small amount of time to snag that hook, or his fish is gone, never to probably be gotten again. I think that's what he's talking about here. It's time to wake up out of sleep. Our time is here. Most of us probably remember what you were doing. Well, maybe not the younger ones, but there was a time in in, a couple years, a while ago, September 11th. Most of you probably remember exactly what you were doing when that plane, or when you found out what happened. I remember what I was doing. I was—I didn't figure out how old I was. I wasn't that old. I'm going to guess 12 or 13, 12 or 13, maybe. And we had a—I was working in the shop, and we had a guy who hauled our sheds came in, and he said, "Did you hear what happened? America got hit." Now in my my mind you know I was kind of young didn't quite comprehend everything but it just something a little bit unsettling happened that segment of time sticks in our mind in my mind it seemed like all of a sudden everything was stiller something was it was just it was unsettling and we have still repercussions from that time <clears throat> Jesus said to the Pharisees Kind of as a rebuke. You know the times and seasons. You can look at the sky, you can see when rain's coming, you can see when it's light, you can see when the sun's coming. You know the times, but your spiritual discernment of what time it is is totally gone. You can't tell that the time is at hand to take action. There are many verses throughout the Bible that talks about redeeming the time, the last hour. When time shall be no more, what am I doing? Is my time here? The Bible talks about the last times in this world, and I believe we're getting closer and closer to the end times of this of uh, this world. We shall hear wars uh, of wars and rumors of wars. Hear of earthquakes. There was a statistic that I found in from from eighteen hundred to nineteen hundred in that hundred year period there were 18 major earthquakes. Then from 1950 to 1991, there were 93 major earthquakes. Seems like the Bible verse is true. If they were in the last times, how much closer are we as the moments begin to close in on us? It's time to wise up. I guess that was my point on that one. It's time to take a look at where I am not just the time we are but where are we at in our lives what have we done with the anointing that has been put upon us says it's time my next point is it's time to wake up it's high time to wake out of sleep when somebody is sleeping they are not comprehending the time they are Nullified, or they are oblivious to what is happening on, around them. And uh, I believe this is a state where we can find our, some, ourselves sometimes when we busy ourselves too much or when we don't wise up to what is happening in my life or going on around us. If you're sleeping, thieves can come. They can take what you have. If you're sleeping, you don't see out ahead. You don't know what it's going to happen you don't have the wisdom to know what's going to happen the enemy of our souls loves to put us to sleep and i believe that has happened in many lives my mind went to uh, samson again when he when delilah was trying hard to get out of him the secret of his strength you know she tried many different tactics she tried manipulating, and I don't know all the different tactics she used, but finally she probably used tears. Ah, you're not going to tell me you don't like me, whatever. And uh, finally he said what his secret is. And then a little later on in that verse, it says that he fell asleep, I think on her knees or whatever. Now she couldn't do anything until he had fallen asleep, and then she took that power away from him. And I believe the devil knows that If we are on our guard and we are awake to the things that are going on around us and we understand what for time we're in, he has no power over us. God has given us an armor, a shield of faith, a sword, and that is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, and the the devil does not have any power against us until we fall asleep. Then he can come right in and take our power from us, and we are weak as all other men Samson was a terror to the Philistines, as we should be a terror to the enemy. He fell asleep, and even with the information she had, she was powerless until she, till he fell asleep. And the devil knows where our power is, but he is powerless until we fall asleep. Then he can do anything with us we begin to lose discernment. The virgins, when they were waiting for the bridegroom, they slumbered and slept. The bridegroom came and they saw, the foolish ones saw they were out of oil. They weren't weren't awake, they weren't watching what was happening to their light. Their lights ever so slowly ran out of light, ran out of oil and died while they slept. Jesus warned Peter to watch and pray. He told him to watch and pray. And a couple hours later, he denied that he even knew Jesus. We need to be alert to the time that we're in. Matthew 13, there's an example of a man that went out to sow seed. He sowed his field of wheat, I believe it was. And then it says he slept when he slept. An enemy came and sowed terrors also. See the many things that can happen when we're not on our guard? While we're sleeping, the enemy comes and mixes in confusion. When we're not fighting, we get confused. When we're sleeping, we get confused. I believe that can be somewhat of a sign. When we're confused at the things that are going on around us, could that be a little bit of an indicator that we've been sleeping? Because isn't God's wisdom available to every man that asks with him? And if we are on our guard and fighting, don't we have the wisdom of God? Don't we have the power of God to discern? Now, I, you know, I'm not sure how that all plays out because I know that we don't need, we, we cannot lean on our own understanding. But God gives us understanding. And makes the way clear, just like so many people um, testified this morning about praying, and God answers. When we don't take a hold of prayer and and, and uh, that that sword, we're going to get confused and lose our way. It's time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent; the day is at hand. Let us, therefore, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It's time to dress up. It's time to lay aside. No, it's time to clean up, actually, before I go to dress up. It's time to clean up. It's time to lay aside the deeds of darkness. You know, after a hard day of work or after you're working outside, you come in with some dirt, grit, and grime, and it's time to clean up. You don't usually put clean clothes over a dirty body. Usually, you clean up. It's time to lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of Christ. He could come for us anytime, or our time might come to meet him anytime. Maybe he won't come maybe Jesus won't come back. You know we don't know the day or time when he's going to come back, but our time could come, and we need to lay aside. We need to be clean. We our raiments need to be white. And uh, in this world of ours, there are so many things that want to distract us and uh, pull us away. He told Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. That's what he told Peter. It's time to clean up. It's time to dress up. We are to put on the armor of Christ. What you put on kind of determines what for action you will take you put on your Sunday clothes most likely you won't go out and do chores or work in the garden if you put on your armor or you know people usually don't use armor today but if you were to think of putting on armor you wouldn't really think of going and running a marathon or going and running down the road what you put on determines what for action you will take and what you what you put on a lot of time prepares you for the job of head. you've kind of prepared for what is coming. And I believe, like just for instance, if you put on your Sunday clothes, you're preparing to go to church. If you put on your raincoat, you're preparing to go outside in the rain. The Bible here talks about putting on the armor of Christ, indicating we know that we are in a battle and we need to use it. Now, you need to use our armor. You wouldn't want to put on an armor and then go to sleep, go to bed. Probably be very uncomfortable. We are to put on the armor of light. The armor of light destroys darkness. God is on our side. The minute you turn on the light, darkness flees. We are to put on the armor of light. And sometimes we don't always use the same tactic. Sometimes we use our shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts that come our way. Sometimes we use our sword. We have to be... We have to be, again, awake to what is happening in our spiritual life, my spiritual life, to the temptations that come my way. It may not always be the same somebody else is facing. It may not always be the same what happened yesterday. We need to be on our guard because sometimes the tactics we use are different. Sometimes we need to resort to prayer. Sometimes we need to resort to singing. God has given us, though, all the armor that we need to advance our Christian life and to uh, be in the center of God's will and be in that communion with him. God is light. He has given us an armor of light. But it is our choice to put that on or to lay it aside. It's not something that grows on us necessarily. I believe that we can grow in statue and in, in, uh, in the grace of our God, but it is a decision for us to put it on, and it is time to be in our battle. How am I doing in my prayer life, in my, in my opening, opening my mouth for, uh, for the gospel, like we heard this morning, the word of our testimony? How am I doing with the word of my testimony? I can clothe, clothe myself in a garment of darkness and match right in. Or I can clothe myself with God's Word. There's so much more power in God's Word. The Bible says, Pursue holiness without... Which without, no man will see God. We can't see God without holiness. The armor that we put on. <clears throat> another, t- Another thing that we sometimes... <clears throat> use it's time to grow up you know sometimes as children grow up we think or we use this it's time to grow up it's time to act your age this armor also affects our behavior <clears throat> it's time to realize that this is not a playground and we are armored for battle not getting involved in the things of this world to the point where it distracts us or where we feel that we can hardly see straight anymore. Remember, that is the fastest way to take off our armor, to lay down our sword, is through confusion because we cannot see the the enemy for who he is. It's time to grow up. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ in his fullness. We are filled with him. He is our master. He is our boss. He is our king. He is our leader. It affects the way we walk. It affects the way we talk. It affects the way we make our decisions. Put on, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It will affect the way we live our lives. Going on, it says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. I think sometime it's time to lock up. And what I mean by that, it is time to make no provisions for the flesh. The reason the reason that people lock their cars, lock their houses, lock their, their uh, whatever, is to make no provision for their property to be destroyed or taken. And I believe that's a big thing for us, is making no provision for the flesh. Because when we think we can handle it, and we make a small provision such as anything you can put in there. This time, you know, I... Making a provision to get mad or making a provision to hold this grudge a little bit longer. When we make that provision, it automatically gives, unlocks the door for the enemy to get access right into our hearts. It is putting effort and thought into making no provision. It'd be easier sometimes to go home, go away from home and not worry about locking up the doors, locking the doors or whatever making provision or making no provisions for the enemy is harder work than just letting it fly into the wind. It is putting forth thought to what could happen. If I let this little thing grow, or if I let this little thing go, what could happen? And by by, uh, making no provisions for the flesh, let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in strifes, not in envyings. Which those are the things that can come along our way. Am I making no provisions for the flesh to have its way in in my life? God says that our sins will definitely... uh, No. Let me say it like this. We should never think that God's patience... Will outweigh his justice. God is a very patient God, and when we fall or when we make a provision for the flesh, God knows that's not hidden, and God will serve justice, but he gives us, he's very patient for us to repent. God waited or to take the time period of when Noah was building the ark. That was a long time that all those people had an opportunity to enter the ark. But that time came to a close and God's judgment was cast. Don't think that God's patience in not necessarily, sometimes it's easy to think, well, I've been able to hide this for so long. I still feel like a Christian. I still feel like I have the Holy Ghost. That may be somewhat true, but there is a day coming if that doesn't, isn't taken care of repentant that God's justice will be served so we should not think that god's patience will necessarily outweigh his justice he gives us time to repent but he doesn't forget until our sins are repented of the fool in proverbs made no provision made provision for the flesh and he went down to hell proverbs talks about that in many different verses joseph on the other hand made no provision for the flesh. He was in a far country where probably nobody knew him. There were no cameras. There were no whatever you could, you know. But he made no provision and he fled that room and he said, how can I sin against God? If we fear something, we will not go near it. If you think of the Grand Canyon and you go right up to the edge there's a fear that kind of keeps you back. And it is that sheer drop-off to the bottom of that canyon. There's just something there that is, I don't know what you would say, but there's a force from the inside that barely lets you go up to the edge. That's because you fear it. If you fear snakes or spiders or whatever, mice, anything, there's something that from the inside, keeps you away from that. That's how it should be, the fear of God in our lives. It There's an inside force, an inside barrier, an inside guiding light that will keep us from making provisions for the flesh. And I believe keeps us on the straight and narrow way in this confusing time of ours. But when we lose that, is our greatest danger, I believe. When we lose that fear of not having direct communion with God through prayer, which, if there was another word for prayer, I think it should be touching heaven. The disciples, when they were with Jesus, you know what they asked of him? They told him, teach us how to pray. They didn't ask him to teach him how to do big miracles. They didn't ask him to teach him how to feed the 5,000. They didn't ask him how to, they didn't ask him to teach him how to, many other things, but they asked him to teach them how to pray. And I believe it was because they saw that when you learn how to touch heaven, that was the core of his ministry. That was where to be one with the Father so that the works of the Father could be manifested through them. And I believe that should be our goal is teach us how to pray, teach us how to touch heaven. Because we see it all around of people losing their way, making provisions for the flesh, nearly scripturalizing it. And it is so confusing, and God is not the author of confusion. There are many examples in the Bible that people who have kept from falling by making no provisions for the flesh... Then like I said a little earlier, there are also other examples who have made provisions for the flesh and have lost their way exceedingly. Solomon, Saul, many men in the Bible started off very well, didn't end well. The children of Israel, approximately, I don't know the exact number, but approximately probably 2 million people and only 2 made it into the promised land. And there were miracles happening all around them, all the way through the wilderness and only two made it into the promised land. How could that possibly be? If you think of the time that uh, they were dry, they were uh, thirsty, they didn't have any water, and God told Moses to hit that rock, or I forget which time it was, but anyhow, there was a, there was a river of water coming out of the rock. There wasn't just an ooze. You imagine 2 million people with a bunch of animals. There if you would have turned the animals into people, there could have been 5 million people. To give them a drink, that didn't take, that took a big river. But yet, they didn't trust God. Realizing our dependence on God. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make provi- Make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. First Peter 2, verse 21. I'd like to read a verse there. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. The great example has been set for us. And I think what Jesus resorted to was touching his Father in heaven they saw the way, I believe the disciples saw the way Jesus ministered unto the people. And he even said that he can do nothing of himself other than what the Father allows him to do. And uh, I believe the disciples saw that. How can I not lose the anointing of Jesus Christ on my life? I believe one of the main things is realizing our dependence on God there uh, there have been many ministries started by a minister or a, a leader that first of all realize that he can of himself do nothing think of think of Moses when God came to him well first of all he grew up in in the White House you could so say then he went and killed that fellow buried him in the sand he ran to his father-in-law and he started taking care of sheep for 40 years. Now, I imagine going from there to, uh, to taking care of sheep, but it wasn't even his own flock. And there he was out in the wilderness, I believe it was probably the wilderness, taking care of sheep. And God comes to him and asks him to take, to lead the children of Israel. And he says, you got the wrong fellow. I can't even t- talk. You know, and he just, he's I'm stuttering. He can't even talk. God says, I got you where I want you. That is where I believe God wants us, is where we see our dependency on him. Then he can say, the less we're filled of ourselves, the more he can fill us. The less we're full of ourselves, the less dependent we are on our own selves, the more dependent we become of God. One time there was this pastor that uh, was a very influential pastor. He had a big, big, huge um, congregation and it seemed seemed like he had a lot of wisdom. And there was another pastor that asked him, how he found this wisdom or how how is his walk with God. And he said one time he was walking on his uh, property and he had this this uh, vision or this, it seemed like God was speaking to him. And it seemed like God said that in this small kind of sandy area that he was at, that he should draw the outline of a man. So he did. And then God asked him to take his foot and just erase it. So he did. And then he felt like God was impressing on this, him on this. And he said, you touch my glory, and that is what I will do to you. That is the one thing that God says he will not give to another is his glory. And too many times leaders or even us Christians can start taking glory to ourselves, and God won't give that. And that is, I believe, where we tend to lose our way with God. That's the only thing that God says he will not give to another. When God pours his anointing on a person and we receive spiritual wisdom and we touch that glory, we lose it. Is that happening to me? When I feel like I'm a Christian now, I have the power within, I've got the Bible, I've got joy unspeakable, I can handle it. This next temptation that comes, I can handle it. I know how to do it. I've done it. That is, I believe, our greatest enemy is losing the fear of God because if we touch that glory, if we lose the fear of God in our life, we've we've lost our guiding light. So that is what uh, God seemed to speak to me as I was going all my day and I was just thinking about that. What am I going to do to stay on the straight and narrow way. What am I gonna to do to continue to have the fear of God in my life? The thing that came to mind is my dependency on Him. I am no greater, I am not stronger, I am not capable of withstanding the temptations that the devil is going to bring along my way unless I have the fear of God. And if I don't have that, it'll be another another number. Which God forbid. That that happened to us, and I believe it's vitally important to touch heaven through prayer and to see that we can do nothing other than God leads us. And then all power is given to us. We don't have to fear the enemy anymore. We just have to keep ourselves in in the, uh, in the fear of God. So much like that one song says, I can't hardly say it better than that. So that I don't have to say sometime that my life is just like Everybody else is saying we're all the same because we need the word of God. We need to wake up. We need to lock up because the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, am I doing that? Have I made provisions for the flesh to, uh, to cause havoc in my spiritual life? Am I making provisions? Has he found a foothold in my life? So I think that's all that I have to uh, share this morning, or yeah, this morning, maybe we could have a word of prayer yet in closing. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is alive. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, that all power is given to us, that you have given us the armor of Christ, Lord, and that we don't have to be, we don't have to fear the enemy But Lord, we need to keep ourselves in the right place. God, fear you because we know that without you it is impossible to live the Christian life. And God, we know that with you it is possible, God, and that we can be more, we can be victors, we can be victorious, we can have a victorious Christian life. Lord, thank you for the armor that you give to us that we can quench all the fiery darts that come along our way. Pray, Lord, for each one here as we go from here this week. Father, help us to stand in our rightful place lord and allow you to speak and work through us because we know that uh, there's an enemy out there there are souls out there that need need to be fed need to be saved lord and you use us father but help us not to take the glory but that you would receive all the glory that is that is due into your name thank you father for the life in christ that we can have in jesus name amen